0: How to Change Everything, The Young Human's Guide to Protecting the Planet and Each Other by Naomi Klein. Introduction, at the reef. I spent a lot of time underwater as a kid. My father taught me to snorkel when I was six or seven, and those are some of my happiest memories. I was a shy child and often felt self-conscious. The one place where I never felt that way, where I always felt free, was in the water. Meeting ocean life so closely always amazed me. When you first swim up to a reef, the fish mostly scatter, but if you hang out for a few minutes, breathing quietly through your air tube, you become part of the seascape to them. They'll swim right up to your mask or gently nibble your arm. I always found these moments wonderfully dreamlike and peaceful. So when I went to Australia for work years later, I decided to give my four-year-old son Toma the kind of undersea experience that I had loved as a child. I wanted to show him that although the surface of the sea might look unremarkable, you can see a whole new and colorful world when you look beneath the surface. Toma had just learned to swim and we're about to embark on my first ever visit to the Great Barrier Reef, the largest structure on Earth made up of living things. Trillions of tiny coral creatures. The timing seemed perfect. We went to the reef with a film crew and a team of scientists who had been studying the reef. I wasn't sure that Tomo would be able to focus on the coral at all, but he had a flash of true wonder. He saw Nemo. He saw a sea cucumber. I think he even saw a sea turtle. That night, when I tucked him into bed in our hotel room, I said, Today is the day when you discovered there is a secret world under the sea. He looked up. And the pure happiness on his face told me he understood he said i saw it i felt a mixture of joy and heartbreak because i knew that just as he was discovering the beauty of our world it was draining away you see the great barrier reef was the most stunning place i had ever seen it was a riot of life everywhere sea turtles and sharks swam past brilliantly colored coral and fish the reef was also the most frightening thing i'd ever seen because large parts of it, the parts I didn't show Toma, were dead or dying. Those parts of the reef were a graveyard. As a journalist who had been reporting on climate change and the environment among other subjects, I had come to the reef to write about it. I knew what was happening. A reef killing event called a mass bleaching had the Great Barrier Reef in its grip. Bleachings happen at times of high water temperature. The living corals turn ghostly and bone white. They can return to normal if temperatures quickly go back to lower levels. In the spring of 2016 though, temperatures had stayed high for several months. A quarter of the reef had died and turned into a brown goo of decay. At least another half of it had also been affected to some extent. The water of the Pacific Ocean didn't have to warm very much to cause this massive die-off at the Great Barrier Reef. Ocean temperatures went up just 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit, or 1 degree Celsius, past the levels of which these corals can live. The dead and dying parts of the reef I saw were the result. Corals are not the only thing affected by bleaching, like the one I saw. Many species of fish and other creatures depend on coral for food or habitat. Food and income for a billion or so people around the world come from the fish that depend on coral reefs. When reefs die, the loss reaches far. Sadly, the more reefs are dying. Sadly, more reefs are dying. That's because temperatures are rising everywhere, not just at the Great Barrier Reef. And these rising temperatures are changing our world. This book is about that change. It is about why temperatures are rising, how their rise is altering the climate and harming the planet we all share, and most important, what we can all do about it. What we can do goes far beyond making our individual efforts to reduce the pollution that's changing our climate. We do need to act against climate change to protect the natural world and the planet that supports all life, but we can go further than that. Many things about climate change are unfair. One of them is the way it is stealing a healthy, clean planet from young people like my son, Toma, and from you. It is also unfair that climate change affects people unevenly. Poorer communities and minority communities often suffer more than others from its effects. So this book is also about justice or fairness. It is about how our response to climate change can help create not only a less polluted world, but a more just one for all of us who share it. You and your generation and the generations yet to come have done nothing to create the crisis of climate change, but you will live with the worst effects of it, unless we change things. I wrote this book to show you that this change for the better, is possible. Then, just as I was finishing the book, the world confronted a sudden, unexpected crisis. A new contagious disease, known as a novel coronavirus, appeared. In early 2020, the virus grew into into a pandemic, a disease that affected people in nearly every country. Rates of sickness and death were tragically high. Millions of people had to change their ways of life, staying home and avoiding other people to slow the spread of the virus schools closed in many countries throwing kids in a new routine of learning at home while missing their friends at the end of this book you'll find what i think we can learn from this shared worldwide experience but as you read the following chapters keep in mind that the coronavirus pandemic did not halt climate change or the movement to bring climate change under control that movement is underway now it is a goal to fight climate change while also making a fair and livable future possible for everyone. This is called climate justice. And young people are not just part of that movement. They are leading the way. Will you be one of them? I hope this book will help answer your question. Help you, sorry. I hope this book will help you answer that question. It is meant to give you information and much more inspiration, ideas, and tools for action. First, you'll see some of the steps that kids like you are taking against climate change and for social justice, including racial, gender, and economic justice. After that, you'll dive into what we have learned about the state of the climate now and how we got here. Then you can help decide what happens next. You won't be alone. In these pages, you'll meet some of the young activists from all over the world who are working to protect our planet and win climate justice. It can be scary to look closely at the realities of climate change, but don't let the facts overpower you. Remember that they are only part of the story. The rest of the story, the part of it that has fired up hundreds of thousands of young people like you in all parts of the world, is that we have choices. The huge uprisings against racism and climate, and for climate action, show us that millions are hungry for change. We can build a better future if we're willing to change everything. Part one, where we are. Chapter one kids take action. They streamed out of their schools, bubbling with excitement. Little trickles of them flowed from side streets into grand avenues where they mingled with other streams of children and teens, chanting, chatting, and dressed in everything from crisp school uniforms to leopard leggings. The kids formed rushing rivers in dozens of cities around the world. They marched by the hundreds, thousands, and tens of thousands. Did business people gaze down from their office windows and wonder what so many kids were doing out of school? Were shoppers puzzled by the surging excitement on the streets? Signs carried by the marchers answered those questions. There is no planet B. The house is on fire. Don't burn our future. One of New York City's 10,000 young marchers was a girl who held up her painting of bumblebees, flowers, and jungle animals. The painting was lush but the words with it were harsh. 45% of insects lost to climate change. 60% of animals have disappeared in the last 50 years. At the center, she had painted an hourglass running out of sand. That day in March, 2019, was the first global school strike for climate. Students on strike. Organizers of the first school strike estimate that there were almost 2,100 youth climate strikes in 125 countries that day more than a million and a half young people showed up. Most of them had walked out of the school, some with permission, some without, either for an hour or for a whole day. Many of them took to the streets because they recognized a deep conflict in what they were learning about the world. School books and documentaries had shown them ancient glaciers, dazzling coral reefs, and other living things that made up our planet's many marvels. But at almost the same time, they were finding out that much of this wonder has already disappeared because of climate change. Much more would be gone if they waited until they were grown up to do something. Learning about climate change had convinced these kids that, the things, that things could not continue on the same path. Like so many groups before them who had fought to transform the world, they took to marching. But many of these young people went on strike not just to prevent losses in the future, but because they were already living in a climate crisis. In Cape Town, South Africa, hundreds of young strikers chanted at their elected leaders to stop approving new projects that would contribute to our planet's warming. A year earlier, the huge city had come desperately close to running out of water after several several years of low rainfall and severe drought that were likely caused or at least made worse by climate change. In the Pacific Island nation of Vanuatu, young strikers yelled, raise your voice, not the sea level. Their Pacific neighbor, the Solomon Islands, had already seen five small islands covered by the sea, which is rising as higher temperatures cause water to expand and glaciers and ice sheets to melt. You sold our future just for profit. The students in Delhi, India, yelled through white medical masks. Delhi often has the worst, some of the worst pollution in the world in part because India is a major user of coal, a fuel that produces pollution. But the clouds of smog that form visible air pollution are not the only problem with coal. Burning it also releases invisible substances called greenhouse gases into the air. As the student marchers, they're new, and as you will see, these gases are the reason our climate is changing. That day was the first ever worldwide climate strike, and it was created and run by kids. With that first school strike and those that have followed it, young people around the world are demanding a say in the future of their world. We deserve better. 150,000 young people poured into the streets of Australia's cities for the first school strike for climate. They knew that climate change was already damaging their nation. One of its effects as you saw at the beginning of this book is that the warming ocean water is killing the great barrier reef a natural treasure of australia and the world yet australia remains a major producer and seller of coal and coal when burned as fuel to power electric plants and for other uses produces greenhouse gases that drive temperatures higher 15 year old nosrat fareha an australian strike organizer said to the country's political class, you have failed us all so terribly. We deserve better. Young people can't even vote, but will have to live with the consequences of your inaction. Like other p- young people in other cities, Fareja was unafraid to speak the blunt truth to those in power. That fearlessness is one of the strengths of the youth movement for change. A schoolgirl in Sweden, The school strike for climate in March 2019 showed the world a youth movement was large and growing. It had begun largely thanks to a 15-year-old girl in Stockholm, Sweden. Greta Thunberg started learning about climate change when she was eight years old. She saw documentaries about melting glaciers and disappearing species. She learned that burning fossil fuels such as coal, oil and natural gas emits or releases greenhouse gases into the atmosphere and those gases contribute to climate change. Power plants, chimneys, and smokestacks, cars and planes all add to greenhouse gas emissions to the air. Meat-based diets also increase greenhouse gases, Greta learned. That's because raising livestock, especially cattle, means cutting down large amounts of forest to create grazing lands. This deforestation removes trees and trees absorb the harmful greenhouse gas known as carbon carbon dioxide, taking it out of the atmosphere. In addition, cattle and their manure Add methane, another greenhouse gas, to the air. As Greta grew older and learned more, she focused on scientists' predictions about what the Earth will be like in 2040, 2060, and 2080 if humans do not change our ways. She thought about what this world would mean to her own life, the disasters she would have to endure, the animals and plants that would disappear forever, the hardships in store for her own children if she decided to become a parent. But she also learned that the worst predictions of the climate scientists were not set in stone by taking bold action now humans can sharply increase the chances of a safe future we can still save some of the glaciers we can protect many island nations from being swallowed by the sea we might avoid massive crop failures and unbearable heat that would send millions or even billions of people free- fleeing from their homes why greta wondered wasn't everyone talking about preventing climate disaster Why weren't nations such as hers leading a dramatic charge to lower greenhouse gases? The world was on fire, yet everywhere Greta looked, people people were still going about their lives, buying new cars and new clothes they didn't need, as though nothing were wrong. At the age of 11, Greta fell into a deep depression. One reason she could not shake off her depression is that Greta Greta has a form of autism that causes her to focus intently on subjects that interest her. So when Greta turned her laser-like attention to the climate breakdown, she saw and felt the full meaning of the crisis. She could not be distracted from it. Fear and grief for the planet overwhelmed her. Depression is complex, and there were other factors too, but it was impossible for Greta to understand why those in power were not doing much about the crisis of climate change. Weren't they also scared and angry? A big part of coming out of her depression was finding ways to close the unbearable gap between what she had learned about the causes of climate cri- the climate crisis and how she and her family lived. She convinced her parents to stop eating meat and to stop flying. The most in- important change for her, though, was finding a way to tell the rest of the world that it was time to stop pretending everything was fine. If she wanted powerful politicians to treat the fight against climate change as an emergency, she figured that her own life had to express that state of emergency, too. So in August 2018, at the age of 15, Greta didn't go to class when school started. Instead, she went to Sweden's center of government and sat outside with a handmade sign that read, School Strike for Climate. She spent every Friday there in her thrift shop hoodie and light brown braids. This single action was the beginning of Fridays for Future movement. Public protests can be a powerful way to make a statement, but protest doesn't always make things happen overnight. At first, people ignored Greta as she sat with her sign. Gradually, though, her protest got a bit of attention in the news. This caught the eyes of people who understood what she was trying to communicate, who agreed with her, and also wanted to make a statement. Other students and a few adults started showing up with signs. Soon Greta was being asked to speak at climate rallies then at the United Nations Climate Conferences, and to the leaders of the European Union, the British Parliament, and more. Greta has said that people with her kind of autism aren't very good at lying. She speaks in short, sharp truths. You are failing us, she said to world leaders and diplomats at the United Nations in September of 2019. But the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say, we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now is where we draw the line. The world is waking up and change is coming whether you like it or not. Even if Greta's speeches brought no dramatic action from world leaders, her words electrified many others. People shared videos of her on social media. They talked about how she inspired them to face their own fears about the climate future and to take action. Suddenly children around the world took their cues from Greta. They organized their own student strikes, many held up signs with her words, I want you to panic, our house is on fire. In December of 2019, Time named Greta Thunberg, its youngest person, youngest ever person of the year for her activism in calling attention to the climate crisis. Yet, she gives credit to other young activists. Who were her inspiration? Students in Parkland, Florida. After 17 people were murdered at their school in February, 2018, Parkland students led a national wave of class walkouts for gun control. By following their example, Greta helped to bring the youth climate change movement to the world stage. And by following her example, thousands more kids just like you have committed themselves to halting the dangerous progression of climate change. Greta's superpower. Living with autism isn't easy. For most people, says Greta, It's an endless fight against schools, workplaces, and bullies, but under the right circumstances, given the right adjustments, it can be a superpower. And this is why Greta credits her autism for her clear vision of the problem and her power to speak clearly about it. If the emissions have to stop, then we must stop emissions. She says to me, that is black or white. There are no gray areas when it comes to survival. Either we go on as a civilization or we don't, we have to change. Learning about the ways our climate is changing can lead to sadness, anger, or fear, but Greta discovered that she could help deal with those feelings by taking action and making a public stand, and when she did that, she became someone for many others to stand beside, like the tiny piece of sand inside an oyster that causes a pearl to form around it. Greta's small action of protest helped create something beautiful and strong. A Lawsuit for Children's Rights Young people are not just taking the climate movement to the streets, they are also taking it to the courts. Can they use international law to fight climate change? Sixteen kids from 12 countries on five continents are going to find out. In September 2019, these climate activists, ranging from 8 to 17 years old, filed a legal complaint with the United Nations under an international treaty called the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. This treaty took effect in 1989 to protect children's rights in countries that signed it. It says, among other things, that every child has the right to life and that governments shall ensure the max to the maximum extent possible, the survival and development of the child. The complaint singles out Argentina, Brazil, France, Germany, and Turkey. Among the United Nations that have signed the UN treaty, these five produce the highest amounts of greenhouse gases. The United States and China emit more greenhouse gases, but the United States has not signed the Convention on the Rights of the Child. China has not signed the part of it that would allow it to be sued. The 16 young people who filed the complaint say that by not doing enough to limit or prepare for climate change, the five countries have failed in their duty to protect children's right to life and health. It is the first UN climate complaint made on behalf of children around the world. The next step will be for a committee on human rights experts to review the complaint. This process could take several years. If the committee agrees with the children, it will make recommendations to the five countries on how they can meet their duty under the treaty. Although the committee does not have the power to force the countries to follow its recommendations, the countries that signed the treaty did pledge to live up to it. The 16 young activists are Greta Thunberg and Ellen Anne of Sweden, Chiara Sacchi from Argentina, Catarina Lorenzo from Brazil, Iris Duquesne from France, Rayana Ivanova from Germany, Ridma Pandi from India, David Ackley, Ranton Anjane, and Litokni Kabua from the Marshall Islands, Deborah Ajigbile from Nigeria, Carlos Manuel from Palau, Akia Melitafa from South Africa, Raslin Jabeli from Tunisia, Carl Smith and Alexandria Villasenor from the United States. David, Ranton, Litokni, and Carl, Carlos know firsthand that the need for climate action is urgent. They live on the island nations of the Marshall Islands and Palau in the Pacific Ocean. They're surrounded by dying reefs, rising seas, and ever more violent storms. Their message to the world is that even if people don't see climate change happening in their own home or country, Home country or town, it is happening right now and will affect all of us soon. Climate change is affecting the way I live, said Latochny in a complaint. It has taken away my home, the land, and the animals. Carlos from Palau said, I want bigger countries to know that us small island nations are the most vulnerable countries to be affected by climate change. Our homes are slowly being swallowed up by the ocean. No matter what the Committee of human, right ex- human Rights Experts decides about this lawsuit, kids like you have shown they are fierce and determined defenders of life on Earth. Other young people have followed, suit, followed their lead and filed similar climate-related lawsuits around the world. Now that you've seen some of what young people are doing to call attention to the climate tri- crisis, you may find yourself wondering what fueled their desire to act on such a large scale. The next chapters will give you a closer look at the climate crisis and its causes. You'll see what is driving so many kids like you to devote themselves to changing the world for the better.